You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. In this episode, I have Justin Davis on the podcast. Uh, Justin and I cover a ton of stuff all about archery-related mule deer, you know, high country mule deer, hunting Colorado, and all sorts of things along those lines. And then he shares a few awesome hunting stories. One was something like a 230-inch mule deer he shot. Uh, Another one was he crawled into the den of a mountain lion that he had shot to shoot it again. And it's just an insane story as well. Uh, we have a ton of fun, share a bunch of great, valuable information that will hopefully help you guys out, and uh, yeah, we just we just have a blast, so I hope that you enjoy the show. All right, I'm Justin Davis. I'm a resident of Colorado. I was born and raised in Colorado. Um, I went to... I went to college and got a degree in wildlife biology because I thought I wanted to be a game warden, but I ended up getting a career in firefighting which i i love but aside from work i'm a diehard bow hunter and i'm always in into doing archery things um i got involved in archery when i was real young i can i have memories when i was about four years old of my dad taking me bow hunting hunting elk and i would tag along with a you know fake plastic bow and arrow and <laughs> go along go along with my dad and so cool and it, it was very cool because i you know i can still remember when i was four years old I, I don't remember a lot of other things but i can remember going with my dad and i probably wasn't a lot of help obviously but he took me along and <laughs> he i think he definitely ignited the fire in me that and it's burned ever brighter ever since you know yep Yep. Yeah. I, I understand that too. Cause I, um, I've taken my son ever since he was two elk hunting with me. Um, yeah. and it's just, it's just those memories that they'll, that they'll forever hold on to. And, and I mean, look at you now, now it's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Yep. Exactly. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So. That's awesome. So when, you know, when did you get your first real bow and, and start slinging your own arrows? So I, when I was, um, in middle school, whatever age that is, I I got a real compound bow, and I kind of got serious about it. And I remember I remember shooting, and I wasn't all that good. And it, you know, I remember thinking just how much impossible, how impossible it seems to even get close to an animal with a bow, you know. Yeah, and then oh, I know I was there. <laughs> so I just early on, I kind of I did a lot of hunting with rifles around that time. I had my bow, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't all that serious. And then when I got into high school, that's when I really got serious about bow hunting. And ever ever since high school, that's all I've done is bow hunted. 
yeah, uh, you know, so for you, what was, what was like the tipping point where you're like, yeah, I just want to do bow hunting only. Like what was it a, you know, a hunt where you got your first animal or, or what was, what was the tipping point for you? I, I don't really know. I kind of think it was just, I always thought bow hunters were cool. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I thought bow hunters. That's... I thought bow hunters were badass dudes, and you know, and I was like, I, I kind of want to be like these guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember growing up, you know, um, before I was really in depth, and I'm, I still have a ton to learn. I think everybody does, but, um, you know, before I was like more in tune with it, I guess you could say. And like, you know, looking at like Chuck Adams and stuff like that and thinking, man, that guy is like the archery god. (laughs) I want to kill giant deer like that guy. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I kind of liked, I don't know, I like the idea of being wearing all camo, kind of orange is hideous to me, you know, so. (laughs) Yep. But all camo all the time. Yep. Like that's, that's a good feeling. Yeah. And and my and my dad kind of got me into bow hunting at a young age, but in all honesty, he wasn't like a diehard bow hunter. He actually, th- those were the days of they had these those old compound bows didn't even have sights, you know. <laughs> and they had the little plastic rest that stuck up. Oh yeah, the riser. and they're shooting <laughs> fingers, you know. And he he got so frustrated with missing big bulls and stuff that he. He he went back to hunting with a muzzle loader, and that he that's kind of what he preferred, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, when I got in high school, I, I was like, I want to try this bow hunting, and I got real serious about it. And then that's I I've never got gone back it, right ever huh? since. Yep. That's way cool. So, what was the first animal you ever shot with your bow? Believe it or not, it was a mountain lion. Really? Yep. That's cool. And. The funny thing about the mountain lion is I met this guy that was a local guy and I kind of started talking to him and he had hounds and for I, for majority of people, if you want a mountain lion, it seems like you either got to know people or you got to pay to go on a guided hunt, you know? Yeah, big checkbook. And so <laughs> I don't even, I don't have that kind of money, but I, I started talking to him and I was like, oh yeah, that'd be it'd be kind of cool to tag along. And he was just a nice guy, and was like, oh, I'll take you. And then I was like, well, let me clarify, like I'm not paying for this, am I? Because I don't have the money to do that. And he's like, no, I'll just take you. So I ended up. <laughs> so that was actually my first animal animal with a bow was a mountain lion. Holy smoke! So so did you get a good one? Like how how far was your shot? It was it was actually a a female. And, um, it, uh, we treated in this ponderosa tree and it went up the tree, like 10 feet, maybe off the ground, but we were mm-hmm. kind of on this slope, this rock slope that kind of went down and the dogs were able to get up into the mountain lion's face. So <laughs> if that makes sense, the mountain lion's on a branch, but you know, the dogs are getting right up to its face. So. He that my buddy crawls up there trying to get his dogs back, and he's like telling me, "Make a good shot. You don't make sure you make a good shot. Like we can't have this be wounded because he couldn't leash up his dogs." 
Okay. Because okay. No- normally they want to leash their dogs up so that if the cat's wounded, your your dog doesn't run and go fight it while it's on the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he was unable to do it. So he's like, no pressure, but just make sure you make a good shot. <laughs> <laughs> But so he so he's laying down like trying to grab the dogs and I'm shooting over him and it was it was a level shot because we were on this hill you know and as soon as the arrow hit the mountain lion died instantly. Oh man, that's so cool. Yeah, so that was my first. I bet that was I bet that was an adrenaline. Yep. Yeah, and that that was the kicker into bow hunting right there. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hooked for life. Yep. <laughs> I can wear camo all the time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, do you have an animal that's favorite? That's when that's your favorite to hunt now? I don't. I don't know. I kind of. I last couple of years, I've been. I've been really into elk. Probably my whole bow hunting. And last couple of years, I've kind of turned towards mule deer. Way cool. Mm. Yeah, and that. Yeah, you shot a giant, giant mule deer. I could see why that would turn you towards. Yep, and I and I have I have some buddies and family members that all they do is just hunt mule deer, you know. And I've kind of been like, oh, I like elk, and then lately I've kind of gotten the mule deer bug to where I'm like, oh, I kind of like concentrating on these mule deer. <laughs> but but yeah. all, all honesty, I I like there's not really one species that I just focus on, and I I like hunting antelope and bears, you name it. I I like the challenge of hunting all species really yeah yeah i'm the same way like if i can get a tag for it i'm gonna go yep so, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah so there's there's not just one animal like some guys all they do is just hunt one animal and i i'll hunt anything that i can get a tag for i like it all yeah yeah absolutely so with do you do you primarily hunt colorado or do you have a few other states that you like to go hunt yearly or or what's kind of what's kind of your hunting year look like majority of the time i just hunt colorado and it seems like colorado offers a lot of opportunities to where i'm busy enough just to hunt in colorado and i don't need to be in other states you know Mm. but the last yeah the last couple years i've gone down to um arizona and hunted down there in january Ooh, the gray ghost. Yep, when that's really neat because in Colorado in January there's nothing going on, so or in in a lot of other states, you know, so it's kind of a good time yeah. to go do something else. So that's majority yeah. majority of my out of state hunting is I've just gone down to Arizona. I got you. So what what kind of what kind of sparked that? You know, because I mean, I mean, obviously you just said that just like Wyoming, and you know, I don't have anything to do in January either. Um, as far as hunting goes, um, so what kind of what kind of led you off to to Arizona? Because obviously there's like New Mexico that you could hunt. Yep. Um, and you know there you could hunt Mexico, I suppose yep. as well. So <laughs> yeah. So what you know what 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 made you decide on Arizona, and then how did that process kind of get started to figure out where the heck to go? Well, I I kind of. I, the reason I originally wanted to go there is I had a good friend that he went down there with his dad a couple times and they hunted javelinas down there. Okay. And so he kind of turned me on to it. He's like, Oh, you should come with us. And I was like, yeah, one of these years I'll go down. And, and they, they were just hunting javelina, but he told me that they'd seen a few coos deer down there. And he's like, 
in Arizona with those deer tags for archery, they're just over the counter, so you don't have to draw them. You can just buy them, you know? Yep, yep. So I I decided to go down there one year, and I was like, yeah, I'll go hunt Havelina with you. And then I went down there with him, and I was like, I really want to hunt a coos deer, and I've heard of how hard they are, and they're, you know, people say they're the hardest thing in North America to hunt. Yeah, yeah, with a bow especially. Yep, so I went down there. I was like, that sounds, you know, I'm all up for a challenge, so that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, I no kidding. <laughs> Sign me yep. up. So have you have you found that they're they're pretty tough to hunt, like everybody says, or yeah, what have you kind of found? Well, they so the first year I go down there, we the javelina tags you have to draw them. So, uh-huh. so we put in for these javelina tags because I've never hunted a javelina, so we shot some javelina and then we're looking for these coos deer and everybody says how hard they are to spot and i'm looking everywhere and i can't even find one i'm like man they really are hard to find. <laughs> like, they really are ghosts you know <laughs> and uh, i i read up i read up on everything about them and i i read that if you find bighorn sheep you'll find coos deer and so on. we find these bighorn sheep i'm like there's no coos deer you know i'm like they're they must be pretty much invisible <laughs> <laughs> but ended up changing locations a little bit and realized that the reason I wasn't seeing anything is because there was no coos deer where I was at. I didn't. That's why I wasn't seeing them. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be a little bit of a confidence booster. Yeah, because at, at first I'm like, man, these guys aren't kidding. They really are hard to see because I can't even find one, you know. But I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I ended up so I. So change locations and find them, and I'm like, my thought process is I'm gonna try to kill the first buck that I see, and so yeah, the first buck I see is this little spike, and he I ambushed him in a saddle as he's crossing this mountain, uh-huh. and I it's this tiny little spike, and the coosier is about the size of like your pet dog, you know. <laughs> and I had I had crazy buck fever just on this little spike, you know, it was crazy. I was shaking so bad. <laughs> well, I think that I think that buck fever is definitely tied to how hard you have to work to get to with an animal. Yeah, you know what I mean? yep, I think you're right. <sighs> Cause like if it's super easy it just, you know, you're just kind of like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to shoot this thing and we'll be, we'll be good to go. You know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you got to work hard, you're like, don't screw this up. Yep. Don't screw this up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so how did you, you know, how, how'd you calm yourself down in that situation? Well, I found my way to calm myself down. I found is taking big, deep breaths, like over-exaggerated deep breaths. And I, f- I found that my buck fever is worse when an animal's coming towards me. If that makes okay. sense, like it gets worse. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're like sitting there because you're you're like anticipating, yeah, you're, you're like sitting there anticipating. You're anticipating it, so you know whether you're sitting on on a water hole with an antelope or something, you're anticipating it coming, and it makes it worse. It seems like I could see that. For I, sure. I've found just like taking really big deep breaths calms me down. Yeah. Yeah, I I uh 
I think that too, and, and I try not try keyword try try not to focus on the antlers. Yeah. Yep, yeah, exactly. Don't look at the antlers. Look at the feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one spot where you want your arrow to hit—that's all you need to look at. Yep. <laughs> so then, so so I go ahead. So I shoot this spike coos deer, and then I. I'm like, oh, first time down, I get a coos deer. That no problem. These are easy. <laughs> get a little cocky, and I'm like, oh, that's not bad, you know, guys. What's so hard about these things? And so the next year, I go back same place, and I'm like, this time I'm gonna shoot a bigger buck. I'm not, you know, I'm gonna hold out for a bigger buck. Uh-huh. And I, I found this great big old coos deer probably a boone and crockett caliber coos deer and i he beds in this perfect spot and i stalk him and everything's working out and he's he just i think he he might have sensed me or i don't know what happened but he stood up and looked right at me and he was broadside and i shoot and he he was long gone before the arrow even got there because because they're so fast and then I'm like, oh darn it! So then, you know, a couple of days later, I I found a a doe and a buck, and he was a pretty decent buck. He I think he like 80 inch coos deer, and I stalked him, and I came off this steep hill on top of him, and it worked out perfect. And I was 50 yards from him, and it's where I was hunting. It's pretty wide open. There's not a lot of cover, you know. Uh huh. And this buck has they're they're they got up, they're bedded, and they were started walking past me, and they have no clue I'm there. And so I'm like, oh, this is great. I take a shot, and he dodges my arrow like a ninja, like he moves out of the way of my arrow. <laughs> like like he doesn't he doesn't like duck like jump the string like a whitetail and run away. You know, he just moves out of the way like dodges it <laughs> dodges the arrow. <laughs> And then and then stands there, still stands there. He doesn't look up at me, has no climb there, so I'm like, okay, re not so I knock another arrow. Shoot again, same thing. He just dot moves out of the way of my arrow. <laughs> so then after that I was a little more humbled. I'm like, okay, these are a little harder to kill than I think. <laughs> I'm like, how are you supposed to kill these ninja deer? They're so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, we thought antelope were fast. Yep. <laughs> and I and I've argued with a few people ever since that, but I cuz people say it would it's impossible, but I really think that those deer were dodging my arrow based off the sound of the arrow and not the bow. That I I don't see why it's impossible. And there and a lot of people have argued saying no, it, it's a you know it's a split second for there to get there. But I, just the way he reacted, he wasn't like he was reacting to the thud of the bow. It was like he was moving out of the way of the hissing bee going by him. You know. Well, I mean that's just like when you uh, when you shoot it like morning doves or something. You know, with with a shotgun, like yep. I've literally, cause I can see the BBs sometimes when I shoot. Yeah. And I have literally seen them dodge the BBs. Yep. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't see why, why a coos deer would be any different. Yeah. So 
after that experience, I experimented with quieter quieter arrow setups just because of that. Gotcha. What'd you find out? Well, I that particular hunt when I was hunting the coos deer, I was using high profile veins like blazers. Okay. And I've noticed that if you go down range of like if you were to go down range of that setup when I was shooting it, it was really loud. You know, the, the yeah. hiss, like, yeah, like the, yeah, you like stood, the whistling when they go by. Yep. Yeah. Cause I, I, I stood down range of someone shooting blazers and I was standing a long ways away and I couldn't even hear the bow go off, but you could hear the roar of the hiss of the arrow coming at you, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm like, if I could hear that, then a coos deer could definitely hear that, you know? Yeah. So what, it, what veins did you end up switching to? So, so after that, I switched to, lower profile veins and I, I went with smaller ones and lower ones and i have currently i shoot them in a four fletch configuration gotcha and the size that i'm shooting right now they're like i'm shooting some aae um and they're 2.3 inches long and they're like 0.38 inches tall so they're pretty small veins yeah yeah yeah, that's, I shoot a four fletch as well. Actually, it's kind of funny. You and I have talked about this yep. obviously before the podcast. Yep. Yeah, I same thing. I just I don't know. I think Blazers just did. They just did such a good job marketing. Yep. Yeah. And and they come standard on every flipping arrow that you buy. Yep. Um. So everyone is just like, oh, I want I want Blazers. I want Blazers. Yep. Which which is cool. I'm not saying that they're not a decent vein yeah. but there are definitely better ones out yeah. there and i used a lot of i shot like the year when i shot that spike coos deer i was using some flex fletch veins uh-huh. and they were i was using longer and they were low pro, profile and a lot quieter gotcha and then that one year i'll 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 always like to tinker with my stuff you know i like to switch arrow setups or switch Veins, you know, so I'm always tinkering with stuff. Yeah. So that, that yeah, I mean, that how year, else do you find what works better? Yeah. <laughs> so that year, I just happened to change. I went to Blazers, and then I regretted it because I missed on the coos, <laughs> but, but <laughs> <laughs> lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, I'm. It, it's always it's always learned the hard yep. way. At least it is in my world. Yep, for sure. <laughs> Man, so. So you're talking about how you kind of started catching the mule deer bug. Um, what what about the mule deer kind of has started grabbing your attention? Well, I've, I've hunted them, you know, both ways in high country and when they're in velvet. And also I've hunted uh-huh. them when they're rutting later on, you know, in the year. And I I don't know, the hunting them in velvet, something about, being up above timberline and hunting them earlier. So I really like that, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's a sweet feeling. And, and, and I, I think they're a little more susceptible or whatever word I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to a hunter getting in close and patterning in them yep. and everything like that. Yeah, for sure. That, that, that it's one. definitely a little more friendly hunting. It seems like, yeah, exactly. And man, they 
deer, any deer is always hard to see, but when they have that more of a red coat, it definitely seems like they stand out a little bit. Yeah. Anyways. Yep. <laughs> and it, it seems like velvet mule deer that just, that just screams archery hunting right there to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Up close and personal. Yep. Mm hmm. Way cool. Well, what, uh, you know, I, obviously you've killed great bucks. Um, what, what are a few of the things that, that you look for when, when you're trying to find an area that holds big mature deer? I, I think the, for me, it just depends on, um, it, the unit you're hunting. I think you gotta, isn't spend as much time as you can looking for big mule deer. Because, mm-hmm. because I, I want to say that, you you know, you want to say like, oh, you want to get away from people, get further away from roads and this and that. But that doesn't always hold true. I found big bucks in places that are close in areas that you're like, why is a big buck there? You know, why is it? Cl-? You know? <laughs> oh, me too, man. So, <laughs> like literally from the highway, I glassed. Yep. It's like, what? <laughs> yep. So it's, you know, you're not like. I don't want to say like, oh, get away from people, but that's not that's not all the case. I found big bucks just it, it, close to areas that there is a lot of people, and you would never think there's a big buck, you know. But I I prefer myself trying to get away from people, you know. Yeah. I try to get yeah absolutely. I try to go to basins and stuff that other people might not go to because it's harder to get to or lack of trails, something like that, you know? Yep. Yep. I, I think too, uh, like basins like that or, or a basin that can't be glassed, you know, yeah. you know, a basin that you have to climb over something big so you can glass it. Yep. Um, usually seems pretty decent or like, you know, you mentioned the trails, like if you're walking down a trail and there's this super steep, whatever on one side, and you just go straight up and into the other side, you know, that could be good too. <laughs> yep, exactly. So it's, it seems like to find big bucks, it's just the more time you could scout to look for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you, when you are looking for your big bucks, are you doing uh, glassing with, with majority of your glassing with a spotting scope or do you prefer like 15s or what do you use? I I actually use some binos that are 12 by 50 power. Okay. And I, my favorite, I like to glass with them off of a tripod. Yeah. And then I, I, I actually used a tripod for the first time this year with, with binoculars. Yeah. Um, and Wow, that is such a game changer. Yep, it is a game changer. I, you could see a lot more animals, so that's I always like to when I can. I try to glass from a tripod, and yeah. and I know a lot of guys that seems like a lot of people's setups is they'll use smaller binos and then they'll have a pair of fifteens, mm-hmm. something like that. But what I found is the twelve by fifties. I kind of am able to eliminate having two pairs of binos because I can wear them around my neck and use them. I can hand hold them pretty easily without it shaking too bad, you know? And then they're still, they still work really good on a tripod. So it's kind of the middle ground, you know, instead of having two binos, I can just get away with having that. Yeah, that's handy. You know, I mean, all the lighter that you can be is just, 
that much farther that you can cover country, yep. you know? And then I usually always have a spotting scope, so if I do see something way out there, I can zoom in and inspect it with the spotting scope, you know? <laughs> yeah, are you are you saving your spotting scope for for mostly mule deer hunting, or do you take it when you go elk hunting as well? I would, I usually mostly would use it for mule deer, but um, sometimes I hunt elk a lot of times early season when they are up above timberline, and I'll use a spotting scope for them too. Gotcha, gotcha. I found that that you know that I I don't only one time have I actually gone on a or two times now have I gone on an elk hunt and not brought the spotting scope. Yep. And and I just started to find out because I'm I, I kind of like you as far as binoculars go. Mine are eleven by forty five. Okay. So so kind of close, yep. you know. But but I just like. I, I can look out at an elk a long ways away with those and look at him and say, yep, I need to go there and try and kill him, or nope, he's not big enough. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, for the first time this year, actually, I when I just went solely elk hunting, I didn't take the spotting scope, and it was nice not having that. Yep five to eight pounds yeah. in my bag <laughs> and you're definitely right about that it seems like you can look at an elk with binos and you know if it's big or not you know you're like <laughs> right. you know if it's worth going after even if it is far away yeah i could fit another elk on each side of his main beam he's big yep. let's go <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah so I, majority of the time i don't have a spotter for elk but sometimes if i'm up above timberline and i have it you know i might have it with yeah do you uh, so if you're hunting your elk up above timberline, you must be hunting fairly early. So you are doing more like a spot and stock style elk hunt. Yeah, that's normally my tactic for elk is spot and stock or going off of their sound. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan of calling to elk. I got you. Yep. When you say going off their sound, what you know? What exactly do you mean by that? So if if they are down in the timber or something where you can't see them and you get a bull bugling, you know, I'll just sneak in on him based off of him bugling. Oh, gotcha. You kind of read his bugle yep. and what, you know, obviously there's a lot of different bugles. So you kind of tell, okay, well, he's meaning this right now, so I know he's not going to go anywhere. Let's move. In. Yep. And, you know, and sometimes you'll get bulls that they just keep firing off, you know, and you can just go in right at them. Yeah. But I... Yeah, for sure. I've always, not to offend anybody, but the Primos videos kind of lie, thinking that they make it look like you can go out and you hit a call and elk will just come running to you, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, I think think that that only showing good calling setups in hunting videos does. Yep. You know, it's not, it's it's every elk hunt because they don't, because even, even like, the world champion, you know, like Corey Jacobson. Yep. Like I've heard of numerous times him telling it where he's like, yeah, I went out today. I called. I didn't have a single thing answer back. Yeah. So we're going someplace else tomorrow. So like they just, I, I agree with you. I think every hunting video makes it look like you go out there and you squeeze a hoochie mama (laughs) or blow, you know, blow your beauty. And here comes this 350 inch elk. (laughs) And I and I've found that a lot of times, man, it's like these elk 
especially on public land, they know hunter versus elk, you know? Yeah, now maybe if you're as good as, once again, Court yep. Jacobson, it might be a little different. Yep, exactly. But, but I am nowhere even <laughs> close to as good as him. Yeah, me either. I use his calls, but I'm not anywhere near his clat level of call, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would probably call a lot more if I was. Yeah. I, and I'll, I'll call, a lot of times I'll call to locate elk. <laughs> You'll call what? I'll call, a lot of times I'll call to locate elk to try to get them to bugle or something you know Mm -hmm. but then generally at that point i'll go silent and i'll just try to sneak in on them gotcha gotcha so when when you say you go silent and you start sneaking in how long do you wait before hoping he bugles again before you do something to Either make him bugle or make more aggressive move and try to get where you can see him. Like, how, how long do you try to wait? Mm, I, it kind of just depends on the circumstance, obviously, you know. But yeah, it, I also if I can like hear, pick up anything, like see cows or hear anything, you know, or I'll call again. But a lot of times I try to be quiet and not let them know my whereabouts, you know. Oh, no, kidding. They pinpoint yeah. it so fast. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> they, They're like, oh, right there. something over there that is definitely not an elk. Yep. <laughs> we, we should go the other way, yep. guys. <laughs> and I've found and I've found a lot of the ma- more mature bulls and herd bulls, they, they if they have cows, they don't want to just leave their cows to come over to you, you know, a lot of times. Yeah, so that's where that's no kidding. That's where they'll no they'll pinpoint you and then they'll stand there and be like, "Let's see you." You know, they want to see you because they're not going to come over to you. Yep. Yep. So, but and then when they they when they do finally pinpoint you, they're like, "Hmm, <laughs> I think I'm going to round up my cows and go the other way." Yep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, and that's if you're as good a caller as I am, which is not good. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just good enough to scare the elk out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, you know, I've I've bugled in bulls before, and I've had them come into cow calls, and I've killed them all different ways. But I would say majority of my favorite way is just being quiet. Yeah, that, I, I, I think that's my favorite way too. Is is you you know they do whatever they do and i just slink in there and whether i end up killing one or blowing it all up and not hitting what i was shooting at that's the way that i like to do yep. it too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> well awesome man well so with with your with your hunting in colorado are you uh, i mean are you applying and because i i don't know as residents do you guys get points for deer and elk as well yep yeah we can get points and there is units in colorado um certain units where they they try to manage it for more on the trophy side of it you know it takes a lot of points Mm -hmm. to draw and the idea that the animals are able to grow and get bigger you know yeah but in in all reality i I try to hunt. I try to draw tags 
and hunt as much as I can instead of wait, if that makes any sense. I think it makes perfect sense. I don't, I don't think, you know, I think, because correct me if I'm wrong, but if you apply for a really hard to draw area and you don't draw it and you draw your second point, your second choice, you still keep your points, correct? Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Exactly. So, I mean, if that's the case, it doesn't really make any sense to be waiting around hoping that you draw that awesome tag because when you do draw it, you're going to be inexperienced. It's going to blow up in your face. You're going to be dirty or on piss yep. that, you know, that you didn't have the, you didn't have the knowledge and the skills and everything that come with hunting every year. Yep. You know, that no matter what way you look at bow hunting, you cannot replicate hunting every year, hunting an animal every single year. Yeah. Like you can't do it. Yeah. And in, in Colorado, like for elk, there is a lot of units that are over the counter for archery. And so you you could apply and build points and still hunt every year hunting over the counter. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, if there's – because I do know there's a few units in Colorado that are just stomper units for elk. Yep. And you could apply every year and still go hunt great bulls, you know, yep. like over the counter. Yep. And I, but I, in my experience, I've found that just the limited units that are draw, even if it, even if you could draw them every year, you know, you don't even need points or it takes one point to draw them. It uh-huh. just seems like it's so much better than the over the counter units, just based on the hunting pressure and the elk, you know, the hunting itself. That makes perfect sense to me. I mean, you really think about it. You got assholes like myself that just buy the over-the-counter tag and go every year. Yeah, and you, so, <laughs> and you get all these random people from all over the place hunting, you know? Yep. But so yep. there's, you know, there's a couple units and there's an elk unit and some elk units in northwestern Colorado. And they take, it, guys, it takes them like 20 years to draw a tag. Right. And they, and... My theory has always been like I'd rather just hunt every year and not do that, you know. And there and there is some big bulls, but there's also there's guys that wait, you know, they take some twenty two years to draw the tag and then they, they kill a three twenty inch bull, which is a great bull for Colorado, but there's three twenty inch bulls and over the counter units, so you know, I I'm yeah. all about just hunting every year and you get you might get a crack at a bowl of that caliber but without waiting for 20 years you know yeah yeah exactly my uh my dad's cousin actually drew one of those areas up there that had you know takes 20 years yeah. and, he, and he waited eight, he had like 18 points or max points or whatever that max is i don't know he had a lot of points yeah. and but but it paid off for him he shot a 386 inch yeah, or something like a, just a just a stomp. Uh-huh. I just it's like, man. <laughs> yeah. I think after uh, you do that, you, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that was worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but in the meantime, he was also doing more like you're saying, you know, he was hunting the over the counter units along the way. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't just like, oh, I'm just going to shoot my bow or my rifle <laughs> once this year and we'll just wait till next year, I guess. Yep. <laughs> 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 yeah, so there's definitely that's kind of nice. There's ways to do it. You can still build points and hunt, you know. Yeah, exactly. but I'm I'm kind of on the hunt. I just go for easier to draw places that I could draw every year or every other year, and that's what I do usually. 
Mm-hmm. So, with your with your deer, uh, I mean, are you, are you kind of playing the same game with your deer, or do you? Is it is it a little tougher uh, to get a unit that that you actually want to hunt? With it seems like, in my opinion, in Colorado, with the deer is there's great deer in almost every unit. There's potential. There's the potential for a really big buck in every unit, and mm-hmm. that some of the best. Well. At least for archery hunt, hunting, some of the best tags you can get are it takes you just a couple points to get it, you know. There's not really a uh, unit that's archery that it's worth the points, the, you know, a lot of point unit type of deal. But now if you're, yeah. if you're rifle hunting, there is obviously better places and they take a lot longer to get that rifle tag but they're kind of easier on the archery guys as far as getting tags you know yeah yeah i think i think the same thing i i think much like wyoming much like utah uh idaho <laughs> you know montana like there's there's the potential for a great buck everywhere yeah you know, and it comes down to putting in the time, the effort, and being consistent about that time and effort, you know. And and it's – some people just don't have that, you know. Like sometimes you go to an out – you know, you go on an out-of-state hunt in Colorado and you got, you know, your five to ten days that you get vacation off work and that's all you got. Yeah. You know, when on the flip side, if you're – you know, if you live in that state, um, you can, you know, spend a lot more time up there, which which is – which is helpful for sure when it comes to finding big deer. Yeah, definitely an advantage. Yeah, time is like the the big factor. Time and patience. <laughs> and I don't have very much patience. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. Oh, there you are. Okay. <laughs> I lost you for a little bit. Yeah, all right. We're back at it. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, I I don't have very much patience, so it's not uh it's definitely not my strong suit. Yeah. Yeah, so for mule deer, it's usually all hunt units that take one point to draw or zero points to draw that type of deal. Gotcha. Makes sense to me. I mean, if if you're able to go up there and find deer that excites you, you know. Yep. Um, yeah. And I, I agree completely. I think Colorado is definitely one of those states that every unit could have a stud deer in it. Yeah. Um, uh, Nevada too. Like wow. But um, you just and and that's I'm I'm like we I think we are like meant to be friends because I <laughs> I am like the exact same mentality when I look up statistics. I don't even look to see how big of animals you can shoot there. I just look to see how often I can draw the dang tag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. If it says I can draw that tag every year, by God, that's where I'm putting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I try, I try to, I try to trophy hunt and go after big animals, but in all reality, I'm still, I still like just shooting things with bows. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's where like my, my conundrum is. Cause literally I, I like, I went to South Dakota this year. I saw two mule deer bucks 
on the public land. I shot one of them, and he was a three-point by four-corn. He's like 18 inches wide. You know, he probably would never got any bigger. Yeah. But still, I was like, this was the best thing ever. Like, <laughs> I got to shoot another thing with my bow. Yes. Yep. Like, <laughs> yep. So, yeah, so I'm not big on waiting to draw things just for the fact of I like hunting, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, there's nothing that compares to watching your arrow soar through the air and disappear through an animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it is awesome, that's for sure. Yep, yep. Well, sweet man. Well, yeah, I uh, I appreciate you hopping on the show, I really do. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I had a yeah, yeah, we'll have to uh we'll have to come up with a few uh tips and tactics topics in the future and hop on and try and have a little bit more of a focused conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Just randomly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well yeah, man, like I say, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Alright, sweet dude. Well that's where I will cut that. Okay. How was that? That was good. Yeah, it's not too bad. Other than, yeah, as long as I don't, I hope I don't sound too dumb for your podcast. No, <laughs> you're good, man. <laughs> too dumb for your podcast. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll have to go, I don't know, go down and try Arizona sometime. Yeah, I, I was actually going to do it this year, but I... um. Uh, we have a big lawyer battle for custody over my son. Oh yeah. So all my extra money is going towards that rather than, cause it, it was literally planned. Like I had the days off scheduled from work and everything. Yeah. Like I was yeah. going and then that just obviously, I mean, that's just more important. So, yeah. So hopefully next year, yeah. um, but I'd like to hunt Colorado next year as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't have any points for it, but yeah. I was looking at an area um, twenty one maybe. No, I don't know. It's just uh, just like west of Loveland. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I think that's you know, good. Yeah, I, it says I could draw it basically every year. Yeah. So I was like, and that's I live in Cheyenne. Yep. So I, mean, I, well, I don't remember where you said you live. I live in I'm kind of, I'm in this little town called Bailey which is west of Denver. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Just a little further south, but I got you. Yeah, no, I I just it's like that's pretty close from Cheyenne. You know, I could go Oh yeah. You know, at least scout it and stuff like that. Like nope. that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. And I bet I've, so, ne I've never hunted there, but I bet it's good hunting. Yeah, it looks like it on a map, but you never know. I mean, I've looked at places that look like awesome on a map, and you don't ever see a damn thing. Yeah. I, I so I, I don't know, but all you can do is buy a tag and go give it hell. Yeah. I don't know. Is it is it close <laughs> to Rocky Mountain National Park? I think it's like in it. Oh uh, yeah, because <laughs> I know it's good hunting around Rocky Mountain National Park. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is that where you spend a lot of your time? Or no, I I don't. But or, or try to. I just know. Gotcha. It's, I just know it's good. I I hunt around Bailey where I'm at. Oh, okay, cool. Way cool. Yep. 
but I, cool, man. I, and I, I, none of this will be in the podcast. Oh yeah, no, I don't care. That I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, I don't like. I don't ever like. I know what it takes to find a decent spot. Yep. So the la- I don't ever want somebody to think that that like I'm gonna share what they tell me after I end the podcast. Oh yeah, no, I know that or two that I'm just wanting them to tell me where they hunt so I can go hunt there. Like, it's just not, I'm not like that. So don't worry. Yeah. About it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, but if you want to give me a GPS coordinate, that would be, yeah. Cool too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that's why I was saying about that unit two. unit two produces some big bulls, you know? Yep. But there's a unit by my house that takes, I don't usually hunt it just because it's harder to draw, but it for like archery hunting, it takes two to three points to draw it. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy, a, it was a rifle hunter this year, but he killed a 380 inch bull out of there. Whew. So it's like, doesn't get, that'll do. Yeah, it doesn't get much bigger than that in Colorado. And he got it in a place, you know, it's easier to draw. Yeah, a guy I know. Uh, bought like the tag from the landowner, however you do that. Yep. You know? Um, in that area too, and and then keep in mind this guy's like an archery hunting fool. Like he's just insanely good at. Yeah. It. And he went over there and he shot a three hundred and ninety eight inch elk. Oh wow. Yeah, he he had it all. You know, he spotted it. Went to the guy's house. How much do you want for that tag? And also keep in mind, this guy has worked himself up. He started off, he bought one oil well. Yeah. And he now owns like 300. Wow. So he has, so he has plenty of money as well, right? <laughs> so he's like, how much do you want for this tag? Yeah. <laughs> and man, the saber twines and the fists on this bull were, I bet you they were 30 inches. Dang. Yeah. And he, and he's up was, by you. Uh, he's up by you. I he, he lives he lives in Bags, Wyoming. Oh, okay. Um, but um, but he like I think he was hunting in that area too in Colorado. Oh, okay. shot that bull. Gotcha. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. Good. If if I can find a picture of it, man, I'll shoot you a, a picture. All right. It's just like, oh my god. Yeah, there's there's some <laughs> big balls up there for sure. <clears throat> Yep. Well, sweet man, before I yak too much, um, obviously if you ever want to come hunt Wyoming, yeah, uh, just let me know. I, I'm more than happy to tell you where I hunt. Yeah. Whatever I can do to help you out, man. Yes. Same goes for you for Colorado. Cool. 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 Yeah. Well, hopefully I draw that area this year, and maybe if I shoot something, I'll call you up. Hey. Yeah. I guess it is just a deer, so yeah. I couldn't really be like, hey, come help me pack it out. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Actually, I think I have a couple points for antelope for Wyoming. Oh, cool. Because I. Cool. Yeah. Well, if you need an area to put in for, I I know some really good ones. Yeah. Because I I, I want to shoot a big antelope. That's you know. Mm-hmm. I shot. Mm-hmm. I think my biggest one's like 14 inches, but I want to get a. Which is that's a good one, I think, but. Yeah, no, I, an antelope are, as you, as you know, they're just deceiving, you know, yeah. it could be, it yeah. could be, I shot one that was 12 and a half inches long Yeah. and he, 
scored 80 inches. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he was seven and a half on the first base measurement and seven and three quarters on the second measurement. Yeah, that 80 inch mark, that's kind of what I've been, that's one of, I want to get one of those in my life sometime. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I know a few areas that definitely have them, so. That's awesome. I'd be more than happy to help you out. (laughs) All right. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, well, I'll stop yakking, and I'll let you tell your hunting story. All right, what kind of hunting story do you want? Any kind you want to share. The (laughs) most. Back to mountain lions. I think I wrote it on that little questionnaire, but that story about the one with the that I crawled in the cave, that's a pretty good story. That sounds pretty awesome. But it. (laughs) <laughs> because I had to go in the cave, I wasn't able to use my bow because I can't draw my bow in the cave, so I had to shoot it with a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the only reason I'm I don't want you to tell that one, I would love to hear it. Don't I'll tell you separately. But, but P, there you go. As soon as you get done telling your archery story, I would love to hear that story. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good story. <laughs> I bet, man. Holy crap. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell the I'll tell the story of that buck I shot this year. Okay. Um that sounds perfect. All right. And you can just you can just go into it. That works for me. All right. So it was found this buck in a unit that I typically you don't see giant bucks in and which brings me back to you never know where you'll find a big buck but so we see this buck and he he looks pretty wide but i'm thinking he's maybe like 29 inches wide 30 inches wide maybe you know wide buck he's got a couple kickers on him he's got some cool character to him Mm -hmm. and he's hanging out with like 15 other bucks Oh man, that makes it tough. And 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 it seems like normally when you find a big mature buck, he's only with a couple other bucks or by himself. He doesn't want to be hanging out with a huge group, you know. Mm-hmm. But so he's hanging out in this basin with like fifteen other bucks. So, and he's in a place that was fairly easy access. So I'm thinking, opening morning, there's going to be other hunters there, and and if there is another hunters that don't screw it up he's going to bed with all his buddies and it's going to be hard to even get close to him because of all those eyes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the night before he's in that basin with all those bucks and opening morning comes and the large group of bucks is in that basin still. And I'm looking at, I'm trying to find the buck and I glance over to my left for some reason with, and I pan over with my binoculars on this other mountain and I see this big buck running across the skyline and I'm like, Oh, look at this buck. And I get a closer look, I get a closer look at him and it's the buck that I was targeting. I'm like, Oh, he left his buddies. So, so during, during the night he left his, his little protection of buddies and I don't know why he left, but he went off by himself, which couldn't have worked out any better for me. Mm-hmm. And so, Heck yeah. And he's kind of, he, I don't know what the deal was. I don't know what he, but he's acting all nervous and I was watching him through a spotting scope and he's just acting all squirrely. Like he knows he's being hunted or something weird. I don't know what he was doing, but I watched him. Hmm. He was, he, he was kind of heading down towards this big tree line. And I thought, 
for sure he was going to go into the trees and disappear, you know? And Mm -hmm. partway, you know, before he got to the trees, he finally slowed up and he started feeding. And I was like, oh, it's working out better than I thought. And (laughs) he fed around and then he he bedded down and I watched him. And it it seems like um, bucks, they'll bed down, you know, and then about 11 o'clock they'll – or mid-morning they'll get up and change beds, you know? Mm-hmm. But this this go to that secondary bed. Yeah, go to that secondary bed. But this sucker bedded down, bedded down and got up like three or four different times. Man, and he's. I bet that had you on pins and. Yeah, so I'm just sitting there, I'm like, "What are you doing?" And he's acting all squirrely, and then finally he beds, he goes into this thicket, and I was like, "Okay, I think, I think he's he'll be down for a few hours. You know, he'll stay in there and his that like." those short stunted trees that are up above timberline you know Mm. it was fairly big and i couldn't tell where he was i just knew he went in there so i i made a stalk all the way around a mountain and came down above him and the wind was kind of squirrely but it it worked out and i got 40 yards from where he went into that thicket Mm. and i i sat there for three hours and just hoping he would come back out and sure enough he got up from his bed and I saw a little movement and he he came out the same way he went in and I shot him at 38 yards and that was it (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh on opening day yep opening day and and what the hell and he was a lot he was a lot bigger than I actually thought because his his main frame was 31 inches wide and his outside width with his little kickers was 35 inches. With his little kickers, this was like a pretty big kicker. <laughs> if it adds four inches, Justin. <laughs> but it, it just worked out just like he planned, you know? No, I don't know, because I've never had to work out like I planned. <laughs> I guess what, what you envision, you know, you envision them bedding and you stock it and then you shoot it. That's, you know, but normally it yeah. normally doesn't work out like that. Something usually goes wrong. Yeah. So when when you first saw the deer going across that hillside um, away from his buddies, what – because you kind of ha- probably had to have had some sort of urge to like get up and move that direction. Um, at least I know I would have. <laughs> like, there he goes. I need to get closer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what was it that just that was just like nat? You know, keeping you nailed to your spot behind your glass. Well, I my only hope for getting him was if he would bed somewhere where I could stalk him. You know. Because of the way the terrain was, there was if he was on his feet, there would have been no way for me to get to him. Gotcha. Because of how open it was, it was up above Timberline. Mm-hmm. And so I just was, I was like, the only thing I can do is sit and watch and hope he beds. And if he goes into those trees, then I'm screwed. But I, I just knew I had to be patient and just watch him. Try, hopefully he would bed and just try to keep tabs on him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. With, with, uh, you know, sitting there for three hours, <laughs> that is a long freaking time to sit there. <laughs> yep. So, and the sun was brutal. So, I was getting sunburned, but I was. <laughs> you're just getting baked. Yeah. Probably. Huh? Yep. 
So with with being there for three hours, did the wind ever do anything funky or change any directions at all, or did it did it kind of hold steady for you? It it was it was doing funky stuff to the point in just I was sitting there knowing that any moment the wind was going to swirl and he would blow out of there, you know. Oh man, because that's that's normally how it goes, you know. So I'm like, I'm gonna sit here for three hours, and then the wind's gonna switch, and he's gonna go out, blow out of there. <laughs> but the so the the wind was was coming downhill from the top of the hill. Okay. Blow the wind was blowing downhill, and I had to be kind of off to the side of the thicket so that he can he wouldn't win me, you know. Yep. So my wind was going down, but then once in a while, it would, the wind would kind of push in the direction of where he was bedded, and so I'm like, oh, here it goes. It's gonna, he's gonna blow out of there. But luckily, somehow the wind stayed in my favor, and it lasted that whole time. That's awesome. So, <laughs> what what kept you from like doing the old? Uh, I, I guess first, h- how big was the tree thicket that he went into? Well, it was, hmm, it was probably, I'm trying to think. It was hard to, I couldn't see him, and I didn't know if he could get out the other side. Okay. And I was assuming that he would get out the other side, and I was afraid he was going to pop out the other side when he finally got up, you know. But it was. Uh-huh. it was probably like 40 feet. By 40 feet, maybe. Okay, so just like one of those little patches. Yeah, but the the tree, there was a few tall trees to where I couldn't see the other side hmm. of him. Interesting, so like, interesting. So what? I couldn't. See so it. that's why he didn't start throwing rocks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I couldn't. If he came out the other side, I I wouldn't even been able to see it until he got out in the open. You know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I <clears throat> I've never done the rock throwing thing. Yeah. I don't know how well it uh, all the people that I know that shoot big deer consistently don't throw rocks. Yeah, I'm I'm not a I'm not a fan <laughs> of the rock throwing cuz I've tried it a couple times and it usually doesn't work out for me. <laughs> <laughs> there there goes that deer. Yep. <laughs> that rock must have been a lot closer than I meant for it to be. Yep. <laughs> But the, the the funny thing is, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I have no clue if he's going to come out the way he did, you know. But mm-hmm. I see a little flash of his antler and he stands up and I'm like, oh, here he comes. And he walked a little bit and then he ducked his head down and peeked up through some branches at me. And he he was just kind of he was just kind of looking up the hill and I was like, oh, crap. Did you almost crap your pants? Yeah, so I'm, sta- I'm standing there. I think when I saw the horn flash, I stood up. But he just happened to look up the hill, just like looking, being cautious, mule deer, you know. Yeah, at the same time. But he looks right at me, but I was holding dead still, and he didn't see me. So he takes a couple more steps, and that's when he came into a clearing, and I was able to shoot him. But the funny thing is, he's he was like 37 or 38 yards away, and I shot. And normally, majority of the animals I've arrowed over the years, I... I either hear the arrow hit or I see the arrow hit. Mm-hmm. And so I shoot him and it's like complete silence. Like I missed him. Oh no. And, and so I shoot and 
I just see him turn his head and you know mule deer always look even bigger when they're going away, you know. Oh yeah. So here's this 35 inch buck turning away and turning away and running down the hill from me, and I'm like, oh crap, I just missed a huge buck. (laughs) (laughs) But then, but I went down the hill and he was dead, and I hit him perfect. But I, for some reason, I didn't even hit hear the arrow or see it. It just looked like I missed. I was like, oh crap, I just missed him. <laughs> so, did you already have the the spot where you had watched him walk in? Did you already have that that the range on that? Well, he yeah, I kind of I kind of could see where he was um where he went in. So I so I sat there and I ranged it and I was I think what I was ranging was like forty yards. Gotcha. And when he was coming out, he was. I was ranging the stick, which was 40 yards, but he was a few yards in front of it. Gotcha. If that makes sense. So. Yep. But it was kind of funny because cool. he turns away and I was so like, what, oh. What was it like? What was it like walking up to that deer? <laughs> yeah. It was it was surprising because I had ground growage. Because when I was when I was looking at him when he was alive, I was like, "Oh, he's he's a cool buck. He's got character." But I didn't think he was actually as big as he was. So he definitely grew on me when I walked up on him. I was like, "Oh, he's a lot wider than I thought." Yeah, yeah. I think I think when you look at a deer and you're like, "Oh, yeah, that's a solid 180 to 190 inch deer," and then you shoot it and you walk up and he's like, "What was he? 220, 230?" I never. Yeah, he was big. He was big. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that you're like, yeah, ground growage. <laughs> that actually <laughs> that actually happened to me on a on a whitetail one year. I shoot this thing. I had like three or four days to get this done, and here comes this buck. I thought it was a hundred and thirty inch whitetail. Yep. I shoot it. I miss. I knock another arrow. Good thing he was dogging a doe. He's because I'm dyslexic. Yep. So I shoot. And I ranged it for 34 yards. I moved my sight to 43. (laughs) And I shot right over him, obviously. Yep. (laughs) You know, 10-yard difference. Uh So he goes running out there, falling the snow. I moved like like 15 yards, and I shot him at 60. Like, that's pretty hard to get wrong. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, And just drill him. And I go walking up there, and he has kickers, and both of his eye guards are split. He ended up going over 170. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome so it was the exact same thing where you're like yes i just shot a great buck and you get up there and you're like holy crap i just shot a giant buck yep. <laughs> <laughs> way cool man and I, I, way for, cool. I forgot at the this is kind of funny because it could have gone bad but when i was when i was originally watching him when he bedded down mm-hmm. before the stock began the wind was going like was going right to left on the hillside. Uh-huh. So my plan was to circle around and get above him and I was going to come straight down to the thicket. Mhm. And then I was I didn't know it was so hard to see him from where I was at. I couldn't I just was going to get above that and just kind of wait it out and see if he came out, you know. And mm-hmm. I get I go to circle around and I get up on top and the wind is like ripping in the direction of him going down the hill. And so I'm on the backside of this hill 
and I, I'm a I'm pretty far distance from him, so I don't I didn't think it was going to be an issue, but I was still paranoid that he was going to smell me, you know. Oh yeah, and I'm on, yeah, especially when it's ripping like yeah. That. So I'm on the backside of the hill, and the wind's blowing not the way I it originally was when I was down below, and there's this scree field. So I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna hurry along and try to get the wind right. <laughs> so I'm like running across three field as fast as I can and I'm just <laughs> I knew any minute I was going to trip and just <laughs> yard sail <laughs> but somehow I managed not to fall and I hurried across there and he didn't he never smelled me so that was good <laughs> that is good that's way good so instead, well, instead, awesome. instead of dropping down I had to kind of circle around and come at the side of him instead of coming straight down above him Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) Cool, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that story. That was a good story. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Awesome, dude. Well, I will end that one right there. Yeah, that thing's a tank. Yeah, thanks. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I bet bet you were super excited when you walked up to it. Yeah, I was. (laughs) Yeah, everything worked out good. Yeah, and then he went, he took a tumble down the hillside, you know, because it was on a steep, fairly steep hill. Mm-hmm. And he, he didn't tear up his velvet or anything, so it was, the whole thing worked out crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yep, just crazy that he, he left his buddies. Yeah, that is crazy. And I, I wonder what the heck happened that made him do that. I don't know. It was weird. I don't know what happened, but it worked out great. <laughs> and then I I was super paranoid because last year I had this in my mind the whole time I was watching him. Last last year I went hunting down by Durango. Yeah. And I found this big buck like same caliber as this one. And I found him in this basin, and I, it was a couple of days before the archery season, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to just sit on him. And there was a trail that went to the basin, and I, I, had to, I knew someone was going to show up. You know, I'm like, this is too good to be true. This spot's too easy to get to. Someone's going to show up. <laughs> and the night before, so I, I was camped around the hill so that no scent would get into that basin, you know. Uh-huh. And the night before the... This night before the season opened, here comes this hunter, and he comes walking past me, and I was, I stopped him, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? You hunting elk or deer? And he's like, oh, I'm hunting both. And I was like, oh, well, I'm watching this deer over here. I'm, I want to go after it in the morning. And he's like, oh, I've seen that deer before. I'm going to go after it, too, or something. And I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, so he <laughs> so he walks past me and camps like halfway in between my camp and where the buck was. <laughs> and so I was like, OK, so I, is what it is. So opening morning, I get up. I hike up the trail before it's light and I come by this guy's camp and he's camped right off the trail and his, his dad, I think showed up too. So him and his dad are there and they come up to me and they're like, what, what's your plan? And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to hike out here and just, you know, glass this basin. And he's like, okay. And so I go and sit on this little knob and those guys come and sit like right by me. <laughs> 
And I'm just like, uh, why, you know? So we, so we, we see that big buck and he's in this basin and he's with like one other buck and a doe and this, he beds in a bad spot where like you couldn't stalk him, you know? And then we had all this snow and fog roll in, so it, you couldn't even get close to him. So I'm like, oh, we'll try again tomorrow. So the next morning, I come hiking back by this guy and his dad that are camped by the trail. And they're sitting, like, down, way down below their tent, like, looking – they're kind of, like, looking lower in the drainage. And mm-hmm. he tells me – he's like, oh, last night that big buck, he fed down the bait – down the drainage he's he's way down in the basin so we're gonna we're gonna glass from here and hunt here and i'm thinking perfect because these guys will stay down there and i'll go up to where i was before you know mm-hmm. and so i'm like perfect all right yeah don't don't be by me today you know so i hike up further and i start to glass the head of the basin mm-hmm. and I, I put my binoculars on my tripod and literally the first deer i see is that big buck <laughs> and i'm like you lying sons of bitches yep i'm like oh perfect you guys are down there and i'm right here i thought you know like perfect this is working out great and then i hear some rustling behind me and i look behind me and those cocksuckers are sitting right behind me glassing over my shoulder no way they're sitting like 20 feet above me looking at what i'm looking at and then they're like oh we saw the buck first we saw him first from down there (laughs) (laughs) it was was super awkward i was like uh this is this is not how i wanted my hunt to go you know no kidding and so they they tried to say they saw first so I should have I shouldn't have been as nice, but I was nice, so I'm like, all right, well you can have the stock. So this guy tried to stock it and then he blew it out of the basin and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least at least you got to watch him mess it all up and you know he didn't they didn't Yep. <laughs> but I was uh, b- the b- that story was this year when I was looking at this buck. I was just dreading. I was like, oh, no, I hope someone doesn't show up and the same thing happens, you know? No kidding. I could – yeah, I mean you find a deer that big. It's it's almost weird to think that you're – especially with how many people are hunting nowadays. Oh, yeah. Like it's always there in the back of your mind that you're like somebody else has got to know where this deer is. Yeah. In in Colorado lately, it seems crazy. It's like so many people are flooding into Colorado lately. It's like there's people everywhere, it seems like. Right. Yep. Right. I think there's like unwritten rules, you know? Yeah. That you just try and be courteous. Yeah. You definitely like I, – I don't know. I just – I don't – I wouldn't feel right about doing that to somebody anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and those jackasses were – you know, it's like I don't. They supposedly saw the buck that summer, which they probably did. You know, yeah. But me, me personally, if I showed up and someone was already hunting a deer and like they're watching it, I would just go somewhere else. You know, but yeah, and I might be like, hey, man, oh, that that's a great buck. Um, I I wish you luck. Like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over to this other spot over here. Yeah, bother you. You know, something <laughs> like 
shit. <laughs> not, not, hey, let me, let me go camp 30 yards from your camp and then I'll follow you around where you glass because you're definitely better at it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what it felt like was happening. <laughs> you're like guiding them and not getting paid. Yep. <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I should have done better. I should have just right away went somewhere else, but I was like, man, that's too good of a buck just to leave, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was... I do know. It was definitely awkward, and I was, I was too nice of a guy, probably. I shouldn't have been so nice. I should have just been like, nope, I get the stock, and I'm... <laughs> and I should have, you know? <laughs> I'm going. See ya. <laughs> I was nice, so, but maybe it worked out. Yeah, who knows? It was karma for this year's buck, maybe. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so let let's let's hear this mountain lion story. All right. So the mountain lion story is, ever since high school, I've bow hunted only, and I don't ever want to shoot anything with a gun. And I went. So my wife is pregnant. Okay. <laughs> and it's like it's like a day or two before the due date. And we get a snow, and my friend that has the dogs is like, hey, you want to go mountain lion hunting? And my wife, being the amazing wife she is, she's like, oh, yeah, just go ahead. That's fine. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and a lot of these mountain lion hunts, a lot of times I'll go with him, not – um me not actually hunting. I just like to go along and help out with the dogs and hike, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they take all day long. Like you'll start early. Hello. How does that happen? Is it back? Oh, there you are. All right, so we cut these tracks, let the dogs loose, and they run like a couple hundred yards, and they're up in this rock pile, and they're barking like they have the cat treat, and we're like, oh, that can't be, that's too easy, like, no way, they only went that far, and we go up there, and it's like a boulder field, and there's a big crevice underneath, and sure enough, the cat is down there, and he's like... Oh, man. he's like two feet from your legs, you know, and you could. <laughs> and so I have my bow with me and there's like this three inch crack in the rock that you can see the cat. And the shot to where the cat is, isn't very far, but I draw my bow and it's like the sight is blocked up by a rock. You can't see your sight. And <laughs> you can't, you can't really aim down the your arrow shaft with a compound, you know, like you can like a traditional bow or something. Right. So, it's a little tough. So I'm like, Oh, this is awkward. Like I have no, you know, so I, I think I get it right. And I shoot and there's, I see sparks fly and the dogs start going crazy. And I ended up just like, I think my arrow nicked a rock getting going through the little crack, you know, <laughs> and the mountain lines, got he got wounded a little bit by this arrow because there's some blood but he definitely it wasn't a good shot and Mm -hmm. he bails 
bails out of that crevice and the dogs chase him and so we go around this mountain and then there's this like rock wall and there's this little hole and the dogs are barking and they're going in that hole and so we're like oh man he's in there (laughs) (laughs) so um my buddy's he my buddy hands me his pistol and he's like well if you want to go in there i think he's in there so i'm like oh okay (laughs) so I, I took some like toilet paper and put it in my ears because I'm like, if I get a shot, it's gonna be really loud. And I I take a flashlight and I crawl in there and it was so tight, like I literally thought my shoulder like I was gonna get stuck in there, you know. Dude. And so yeah. I'm crawling in there, and the whole time I'm, like, belly crawling in there, and I can barely fit in there, and I can hear the cat growling at me. Like, I know he's in there. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. I'd be crapping my Yeah, ass. so I'm waiting for him. Just, I'm like, oh, man, I don't even know where he is. And then I, I come, I crawl in there, and I come to, like, a T, and I can hear him growling, but I don't know if he's on my right or my left. And I don't know which way he is. So I like I get my flashlight and I shine it to the left first. And he's right there just facing me like a couple feet away. And I shot him right in the face with the pistol. Holy crap, man. That's nuts. And the whole time I was thinking, like, if I don't kill him, he's going to try to get out of this cave. And he's just going to, like, shred me getting out, you know, because I'm. Yeah. I'm blocking the whole hole. Like there's no getting out. So like I'm like, I'm gonna get <laughs> shredded. <laughs> there's no getting out unless you go literally through me. Yep. So I'm just picturing like after I shoot him, he's just gonna come like flying through me, but he died instantly, which was that worked out good. Heck yeah. So that Heck yeah, that's a huge plus. And then so the <laughs> the hunt was short, like we were over it was quick, you know, like it was a kind of rare it was over that fast. Mm-hmm. And we we get the cat out of there and get back to our truck and drive home and we get home and my wife is going into labor. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I I That is some good timing. Yep, so I so I literally like drive home my wife waddles out gets in the car and we drive we haul ass down to denver i I still have mountain lion blood on my hands (laughs) and we and we go and my and my daughter is born right then and (laughs) holy smokes but you're you're not kidding your wife is the same yep so that that was the story it was pretty good day I got one pretty good too. She lets me hunt way more than I should, so that's a huge plus. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, man. Well, it was it was a blast getting to know you and talking with you. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely have to, you know, like I said, either you come here and hunt your antelope or whatever, or I come there and hunt with you, or I come film something for you, whatever. Yeah. I don't really care, but it'd be fun to get together and do something. Yeah, like that. sounds cool. good for sure. So, well, sweet, man. Well, I won't take up any more of your evening. Oh, no, I, I really appreciate you yeah. hopping on the podcast. It's fun talking. Oh, yeah. You. I enjoy I enjoy talking hunting and archery stuff, so it was fun talking. Right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Yeah, like I said, it'd be cool to have you back on. Yeah. We could pick, pick a few things, you know, maybe like some of the gear that you take, yeah. you know, what's in your backpack yep. or 
So something, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff oh, yeah. we can talk about. So yeah, even like even archery stuff, tuning related, yeah. things like that. Oh yeah, that'd be that's always good. I always like talking about that because I think there's a lot of people that want to do it but just don't feel like they have the knowledge. Yeah, to do it, you know. Yep. I like I have my own. So. I got my own like bow press and everything, so I like to do all my own stuff. So. That's awesome. I'm the king of just tinkering nonstop with my bow. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes. I do. I do. So, <laughs> yep. Well, sweet, man. Well, we'll definitely talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, All care. right. See you, buddy. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear. And it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are... Eastman Elevated with Brian Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.